What's up? It's CJ the Day Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast, episode 94. Well, we talk about mm, UFOs. We also talk about mm, turning stores into apartments, residences, places you can work, play, and eat. Hmm. Upgrade America's been on that. For a while now, if you follow our upgraders now, we talk about imposter syndrome at work, and we also talk about are the GOP traitors or loyalists? Among other things, we talk about CJ Today Slayer's winter driving <laughs> experiences. Like, share, subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we're in 2021. Buckle up. No fear, swim with the sharks like cannonball. Rub shoulders with giants, cause I'm standing tall. Who wants the money when the power can grant you all? When it's pure, I guess so high. What's up, world haters? All our upgraders, extraterrestrial friends. You know, it's counting down to that uh, UFO, 180 days to UFO disclosure from the government. <laughs> and believe it or not, that was packed into the COVID uh, stimulus bill. You Interesting. Know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it has nothing to do with... Um, COVID, or, or maybe it does. Who could say? Is COVID an extraterrestrial virus? Uh, explain why it's mutated over 17 times. But, mm. anyways, yo, I'm Cameron Ra. <laughs> this is it, man. Here with CJ, the Day Slayer, Upgrade America, episode 94. The world has given us a lot to discuss. 2021 is going to be lit. Forget about 2020. Shout out to every one of you out there you survived 2020 and that was a doozy but here we are back at it but yo bro what are we talking about today yo we're talking about the nfl and bitcoin we're going to talk about story time with cj winter time drive we're going to talk about new rules and laws by upgrade america we're going to start this segment of presenting this to institute in our american society uh let's see thanks for watching shout out to Facebook. Um, imposter syndrome tips at work. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the GOP being traitors or loyalists. Which are, which are they? Um, Congress for guns. That's not what you think. Um, somebody's listening to Upgrade America podcast talking about repurposing stores. That Doesn't that sound familiar? It really does. Um, we're going to talk about something that has been bringing me so much joy and it's the stimulus check song and we are huh the stimulus check song yes it's so awesome okay okay. is that Um, the one where it's like biggie they're they're rhyming like off of biggie's bars nah okay i saw a meme for that and it was like it was kind of funny but yeah we'll see what that is all right and then uh is democracy failing we got to ask this question today. Um, well, yeah, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, electric cars on the rise this year. It seems like to be a big year for electric cars and it's Chinese crazy. Hollywood on the rise. And I just want to share a good feel good story about how dogs rock. Why I fuck with dogs. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into it. Um, where you want to start? How was your New Year's? I guess. 
Yeah, New Year's was lit. You know, we just did a chill with the fire team. Grubbed out, ordered a lot of a lot of takeout. Grubbed out and did some family planning. Got a little uh, crisis we're handling at the moment, but you know, nothing that's stopping the show. As you can see, we're still rolling. That's but, right. You know, we kept it light, kept it moving. But I know you had a uh, spectacular New Year's with the uh, tuxedos and, and whatnot, man. Mister James Bond over there, 007. <laughs> How was you know, uh, very interesting and fun and wild and crazy. Um, <laughs> Typical day Slayer night. You know, uh, but this leads into my story time with CJ, the day Slayer, on winter driving. So Cam and I have had this discussion how to drive during the winter time because I've never really drove consistently in winter time conditions. And I also had this talk with my mom and she was kind of giving me tips too. And the tips came in handy because the morning after New Year's Eve, so New Year's Day, I was heading to work with my coworkers. It was a vehicle ahead of us on the left side, but it was very dark. There was like an emergency vehicle on this side with the lights on. Okay. But the vehicle that was involved in the accident was over here in the dark, and it was a red vehicle. It was actually our other coworkers that were going to work as well with us that morning. Well, they got in a wreck. And I know why is because the conditions of what we were driving is like a mixture of black ice, slush, and snow. So where was this? Where was this at? What state? Oh, this is in Indiana. Okay. Yeah, where I'm at now, Indianapolis. Um. So I think everybody got no, no, nobody died or anything like that. Just like uh, shoulder, I think shoulder, back injuries, stuff like that. Maybe. So you would say, um, would this be a, a minor vehicle accident or was it a major? I think it was major, even though there's no fatalities, because I think the airbags deployed. I think pretty much when those airbags deployed, that's mm -hmm. kind of considered major, I think. I'm not and sure. I do recall that, and they also said if the damage, going back to you know our old Defender security police days, like if the damage is more than ten thousand dollars it's considered a major as well even if there's no injuries gotcha so probably um okay. but all in all i was driving along and you know um i happened to just be driving more of the speed limit because i felt the conditions as i got on the on-ramp i'm like oh it's a little slippery out here so let me take it easy so when i came up on the wrecked vehicle it was very sudden because it was red and it was dark. So I didn't see it until the last second. And I basically just did this number, went around it. We kind of fishtailed a little bit because of the slush and the ice and all that. Mm -hmm. But I just maintained steady. And then like the, what do you call it? Slip differential and the van kicked in. It's like, all right, stabilize. And really? I just kept That's going. Cool. Yeah. So did you get any like, um one of those yellow pop-up icons like sometimes i get that when, when my tires when there's like no traction or something but yeah, can you describe how your braking was i didn't break okay um i just kind of swerved and just stayed steady i didn't okay. really break from and i wanted to emphasize that because i do believe that's something that you shouldn't do it's mm -hmm. like people would, if when they lose control of, of the vehicle, naturally they want to brake 
or slam on the brakes but <laughs> that's because not what you want to do in this situation because it, it can actually lock up the tires can lock up then you'll lose even more control of the vehicle because it'll just be spinning on the surface of the ice or the, or the slush but you emerged unscathed yeah good to go i mean everybody was awake that was like a shot of coffee that people weren't expecting that morning um, <laughs> <Adrenaline> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and to be honest like I guess our psycho defender kicked in because I was like really juiced up talking shit like you know like war cry kind of shit because like, so like you hydroplane and I'll be like yeah you gotta ride that thing I love it yeah yeah basically so I was like and they were all kind of looking at me like <laughs> I was like oh y'all don't know I have this side to me huh yeah, you can either there's either two ways you can react in, in a scary situation. You can either oh good heavens, or you can be like hell yeah, let's ride this bad boy out. Yeah, basically. So all in all, we're good. Um, everybody's good. I still got to check on the one coworker. I haven't seen him yet, but um, yeah, story time. Winter driving. So there's no joke out there. Be safe. You know. Yeah. No. Uh, now I gotta ask, was it a four by four? I don't think the van is four by four. I think the car that got in an accident, I'm mm -hmm. not sure if it was four by four or not. I would, and I thought it would be, it's a forerunner. So I was kind of like, that should I be like- in the market for a four by four just because of that. And like sedans, I used to be, you know, want the, the big sedans and everything, but now I, I want a, either a truck or, or something with four wheel drive, you know, for, for that advantage. But, yes. Yeah, Subarus are good for that. You said what is? Subarus. The I Subarus. Think, yeah, I think I think about all their vehicles is all wheel drive. Yeah, you're right. I was gonna say even their sedans are all wheel, uh, all wheel drive, and that's a great benefit, particularly if you live in wintry climates. Yeah. yeah. Drive slow and <laughs> don't slam on the brakes. Word up. Um, but the thing is, I mean, for new rules. You know, I saw a meme going around, a post was shared, and they're talking about eliminating taxes or property taxes for people over the age of 65. Okay. That is something I'm on the board with, I kind of agree with, but I wanted to ask you, because you mm -hmm. live in a state where there's a lot of elderly people. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, like, and it sounds nice and righteous, on paper but how do you think overall that would affect the state of florida if everyone over the six, age of 65 stopped paying property taxes Ooh, that's tough because like you said we have a lot of senior citizens and you might as well say boomers they're in that age range as well baby mm -hmm. boomers so i don't know i i don't think it would be as favorable for florida because of no no state taxes so i feel like the property taxes oh yeah so they lose more yeah they would lose a lot of revenue i feel like so i don't see that flying in florida and that's why i was like i liked the meme because i do i, I like the post because i do like the ideal of it and particularly you know there are seniors who, who are losing their homes and that sucks yeah and i'm like and they're losing their homes particularly because of some cases because of the taxes not being able to pay the, the property taxes and so i was like I, in certain uh in certain circumstances like certain states i would say yeah that sounds cool if they could make it work 
But in cases like Florida, where people are like known to retire and a, a bulk of that revenue is coming from, you know, from senior citizens stuff, like it's hard to make that call. Yeah, it. I, I foresee it. That's that would that would be the issue now. If mm-hmm. they were legalized recreational marijuana, that could probably possibly fund Ooh. a lot of things we can do in Florida, like infrastructure stuff like that. Um, that would be really interesting if they would level out. If you were to do, and it would be a lot more incentives to uh, for people to move to Florida, old and young. Yeah. Like Florida is a, is I'm in the real estate market now, and I'm eyeing spots in Florida, and it's it's this really great piece of land. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, you know there's that's my new rule, but I'm really not too sure where I stand on it from across the board. It's just something to entertain. But is there anything that you would? Oh, go ahead. Nah, go ahead. Finish. I'm not saying like, do you have any other new rules? If you're prepared. <laughs> I really think that we should, we'll we'll talk about it a little later in the program, but I think Mm -hmm. we should definitely think about going green as a country. Hold on, hold on, maybe we're going to have to elaborate on that. What do you mean by going green? I'm all for green energy. It should be a priority, but I think you also have to incentivize the citizens. Like, I don't know, tax breaks, cash Mm -hmm. rebates, something like I think that's the biggest reason why people don't recycle or don't have it in their daily lives is there's really no incentive to do so. Well, yeah, you're doing good for the earth, but you know we're a very transactional country. We are, and it actually costs more to recycle than to make new plastic. And it's like we're facing that issue right there. Outline some ideas in the Upgrade America policy for the future on how we could make recycling more economical but um yeah people should be incentivized to to do that but also to uh produce green energy i saw a really great video on how much energy it takes to um how do you say heat up a toaster and toast a piece of bread and the guy was on a bicycle he had a bicycle generator and it's yo his legs when i tell you his legs are probably like the circumference of my body like he was built to do this and he was pedaling, pedaling, pedaling for like, let's say, his hardest for a solid like three minutes. When he Man. got off the bike, he laid on the ground and was exhausted. That's how much energy it takes to, to, to toast one piece of bread. So when we're talking about <laughs> the entire cities and all that infrastructure from windmills and solar and what have you, I'm not saying it can't be done. It's mm-hmm. just we really we grossly underestimate the power how much power it takes to generate just to turn on a light bulb mm-hmm. there's a huge energy demand and it's only getting bigger but i agree we should definitely incentivize uh, and i'm killing that word we should definitely give people things for generating clean green energy yeah i don't know i just think recycling should be like kind of mandatory and but like i said incentivize like have things in place and the, like the most you would get is like fines like no jail time or nothing crazy mm-hmm. like fines and then the fines would go to a cause like helping the homeless or something so you would create that positive flow of purpose so that just that's just me thinking out loud 
See, I think it's like we need to incorporate industry into it. Now, here's the thing. That's an idea. Anyone who wants to take this, you're welcome. But, like, if you had... You're only going to get so much for a bottle, right? For recycling. Mm -hmm. Let's just say this is... In New York, this is five cents. And five cents is not a lot of money in a single shot. But, like, say if you found a way to every citizen has a bin. Recycling comes around and you just keep they recycle their stuff they get paid for it but you keep the money until it's like enough buy them buy cryptocurrency or bitcoin or something like that and you're mm-hmm. getting a return on investment just for recycling if, if you if you follow me with that mm-hmm. it, people aren't going to do it just to do it but if you you give them something in return i think it could work yeah but, i agree because really think about it in, in a city like new york city if you went around door to door and said, give me all your bottles and hey, I'll give you a little chunk of the action, you know, later down the road every week, I'll come and I'll get your, your, I'll get your bottles. I'll recycle them for you and I'll give you a chunk of change. I'll even invest it for you in cryptocurrencies so you'll get a return in the future. Like, I think that that business model could work and it could also substantially clean up the environment. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess we can segue into the NFL and Bitcoin. You had an interesting <laughs> man. Don't get me started on Bitcoin. You already know crypto enthusiasts, very diverse portfolio, but I love Bitcoin. Long story short, there's a NFL player. I'm gonna read out his name from the article, but okay. he is the first NFL player to get paid in Bitcoin. And it is a very risky move because Bitcoin is volatile. One day it can be like, I don't know, $18,000. And then the next day, let's say today, it's 30. Uh, I think I lost you, homie. Truly understand crypto. Mm-hmm. And which I, I, I see he does. He sees the, the prospect and of it. Uh, I got knocked off. Yeah, I hear you, but it's kind of... Okay, I think it's coming back. It's all okay. good. So, Carolina Panthers, Russell and Okung, his name is last name is spelled O-K-U-N-G, becomes the first NFL player paid in Bitcoin. So, that's pretty dope. Let me read a little bit. As a digital dollar in form of cryptocurrency uh, continues to become more popular... A football player has become the first NFL player to be paid partly in Bitcoin, according to Coindesk. So back in 2019, Carolina Panthers offensive lineman Russell Olken tweeted that he wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. And yeah, so he tweeted that, pay me in Bitcoin. And as of December 2020, he was granted his request. So yeah, he got paid in Bitcoin. And it's like... Again, it's it's. I don't want to say he's taking a risk, but it's very genius. With great risk comes great rewards, and Bitcoin is bullying. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I guess the thing that raised my attention. I'm curious to see if other sports athletes will go to this. I know the NBA; they're very savvy financially. I would say they're one of the most savvy. The players are pretty savvy about how they spend their money for the most part. They tend to invest in a lot of different ventures and stuff. 
Interesting. You think that's because they have some coaching or good financial uh, managers that they are catering? I think I think with the NBA, I'm not saying NFL players are dumber or anything like that, but the NBA, I think with basketball is just a little bit different. I think the culture of basketball, I think the fact that they have guaranteed contracts um, helps them out with making more long-term investments and moves okay. and stuff like that compared to NFL. If you're a star player, you can get guaranteed money up front, but your contract is not guaranteed. Like you can be cut at any time. Any so of that. what happens to that guarantee? Because I used to watch that show on uh, HBO Ballers. But what happens yeah. if your contract is cut and you have that money up front? Do you have to pay it back? I don't think so. I think there's clauses and stuff. I guess it okay. depends on what's the case. But I don't know. I think NBA players just seem to... I'm not saying they're the best financially, but they seem to be a little bit on track, a little bit better with their finances than I would say. Now, are they better paid? Like, if you had to compare salaries, like, who, who would you say is better paid? Like, the highest paid NFL player compared to the highest paid NBA player? Mm, well, the highest paid NFL player, I think, right now is... Pat Mahomes, I think 500 and something million over a period of 10 years or something okay. like that. NBA-wise, NBA. NBA it's like, who would be the highest right now? Between Paul George of the LA Clippers and somebody else that signed a real big contract. Between him and Anthony Davis for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. So I would say right now it's between, oh, and James Harden. So it's like maybe a three-way tie right now for the highest paid. And what, what would, what's that uh, ballpark, you think? I know there's like 200 and something million, but all their money's guaranteed. So it's a lot different than NFL. Yeah, okay, so it's like they can say like, hey, yeah, you could get this over 10 years, but the guys with in the NBA, they're guaranteed. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but so I, I, them, I, I'm, I'm curious if anyone in the NBA is is getting paid in Bitcoin, but I, um, I can see them investing it. I don't see them getting paid by it, but I can see them investing in it. Okay. I, I don't know. I just can picture that. I don't know for sure. They could be, but I don't know for sure. So I think that's interesting. Um, I'm I'm getting there. I'm slowly coming around. I I'll, I'll come around on it soon, sooner uh, than later. You'll see the light. I hope you see see the light, the the crypto light before the economic, the global economic collapse. Because it's it's going to be a few things that have value. If all monies, and I'm talking about the euro, the pound, and of course the almighty dollar, if they all lose value overnight, there's going to be very few things that hold value. Crypto is going to be one of those gold and then, you know, other commodities, but mm. you're going to need some sort of baseline to be like, if the dollar becomes worthless, how are you going to appraise the value of a car, the value of land? You're going to need a, a, a measurement of value, you know, and, and Bitcoin could very much become that measurement of value for wealth in, in, a, in a new world or whatever. But um, yeah, very exciting. I'm um I'm still building. You're never too late. They're predicting that this thing can go to one million dollars, and mathematically, it's 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 a possibility. Mm -hmm. So it's never too late to buy into Bitcoin. But again, yeah, I get I, there. I, 
preach all I could preach on this all day, man. What else you got on uh, the agenda? Uh Mitch finally for the people. Mitch McConnell. Is he actually doing something for the people? So I'm gonna say no. But um so for everyone, um a lot of people are standing by for the stimulus checks, right? Now, while there was mention that, you know, people are going to be getting $600 stimulus checks, there was no um, confirmation so far on the $2,000 ones because they keep getting rejected. And Mitch McConnell is playing a big reason in that rejection. And it's not because it's like, it's too much money. It's too much money to give to people. That's not the case. They're rejecting it because like little things that have nothing do with you your money or the stimulus uh, or COVID-19 that they want to inject into these bills and they're not reaching consensus and so um it's getting denied so let me read a little bit from here senate majority leader mitch mcconnell today accused to demand from president donald trump a majority of congressional democrats and some congressional republicans to greenlight a bill giving $2,000 of COVID-19 relief checks to Americans under a designated income threshold. Pretty much he's saying he's, he, he shut that down. But there's a catch. McConnell's legislations would also eliminate Section 230 of the, uh, the Communications Decency Act. And again, that has nothing to do <laughs> with, uh, with, with relief. But it's because... They're saying Section 230 essentially functions as the Internet's First Amendment by protecting private companies from being held liable for most forms of user-generated content. This is the second time in a very recent history that lawmakers have sought to sneak Section 230 changes into legislation that otherwise has nothing to do with Section 230. So what they're saying is they're using this COVID bill that's 5,600 pages long to sneak in other things that have nothing to do with it. And because, yeah. you know, people are catching some of the, both parties are catching some of these, there's where, where, uh, that's what's holding up the money. But what are your thoughts on that, man? Doesn't surprise me. Politics as usual. It's all this posturing, theatrics, but no urgency and no regard for the american citizens like um the fact that he was kind of trying to play ball was kind of interesting because he's obviously shown that he only plays ball when it's something he wants yeah um, no but i agree because it's like saying yeah i'll sign it if you give me something unreasonable you know yeah. and and I disagree with that, but I want to circle back to, to, to new rules, like new rules. When you're making legislation, you should only put in line items, things that are pertinent to the legislation, to the to the issue that's being addressed. That needs yes. to be a rule because it's like that's like I don't I don't know. Call, call me crazy. But if we're making a bill about like, I don't know, clean energy, I don't think there should be anything about the second amendment, gun control or, 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 or marijuana, cannabis, or, or anything that has nothing to do with clean energy. You should stick to the script. That should be, that should be a rule. 
I agree with that 100 percent I don't know why that's so hard to do but once again greed and power corrupt you know and opportunities crisis creates opportunities facts so yeah and then what troubled me was the they're trying to get rid of the first amendment rights on on the internet like that's our last bastion of the first amendment really between that and out in public well i i mentioned before and and perhaps we were a bit ahead of our time but i said like we're gonna have to take this channel underground because there may come a time where youtube facebook what have you says yo these guys are way too radical and you know we we're gonna have to either do it through bow black owned entertainment or you know um some sort of underground uh dark web broadcast yeah that's true i agree with you it's not just for us it's, it's for any content creator like the internet is our voice facebook youtube a lot of these things too and it's like we won't be silenced yeah for real real talk um all right so what we got next what we're talking about next we got up on the radar wow okay so we talked about mitch and the people covid and ufos 182 day countdown so this is what ny post yeah so COVID-19 bill started a 180-day countdown for UFO disclosures. This is the New York Post. So they're saying President Trump's signature on Sunday on the $2.3 trillion COVID-19 relief and government funding bill started a 180-day countdown for the Pentagon and spy agencies to say what they know about UFOs. Yo, if you thought 2020 was a crazy year, wait till they spill the beans on this. And here's the thing, whether I believe them or not, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the, the story is going to be fascinating. Yeah. So, let, me, let me continue. The provisions right. received very little attention in the part because it wasn't included in the text of the 5,000-page-plus uh, 5, uh, legislation, but it was put on there like as a committee comment. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I think what we're going to start doing is just putting the segment notes into um, into YouTube so you guys can follow, look at these articles yourself, New York Post. Yeah, that's might be a good Radio, idea. Very interesting. But what do you think, man? What do you think we're, we're going to find out? I don't know, because you know they're only going to let out what they want us to know. They're not going to let out everything. So it's kind of one of those things where, eh, all right, I'd be curious to see what they present, but... They're not really going to tell everything because I forgot this quote, but a government without secrets is not a government or some some shit like I read years back. And I kind of get that because it's like it's total transparency. You need to have knowledge is power. You need to have control. But my understanding is that I've mentioned before the whole Project Bluebeam uh, where, you know, the government would release information about UFOs or alien invasions in order to one world government all that stuff like that i wouldn't be surprised if that was that this the possibility of this information and how that could be utilized to further control um you know the people wouldn't be surprised if we found out that covid was quote unquote extraterrestrial 
like as some sort of uh, consequence of encounters with UFOs. Mm. But um, or maybe COVID is is the the alien pathogen itself. Mm. I'm speculating and throwing out BS for entertainment. None of this is fact. So YouTube algorithm, bear with me. But yeah. <laughs> 180, 180 uh, days. We're gonna find out some uh, some very interesting things, and every I see a lot of people popping up on the feed. Thanks for watching. Shout out to you, Facebook. Hi, Monique. My cousin Monique on IG. Um, I wanted to talk about digging into career stuff a little bit. Easy ways to beat imposter syndrome. What is and what is imposter syndrome? I guess this first sentence kind of. Um, describes it so if you're feeling like a fraud at work and doubting your abilities your decisions and feeling unworthy of praise you may be in the throes of imposter syndrome you're not alone up to 75 percent of female executives from all industries fall victim according to kpmg there's effective ways to counteract these fears says a career st uh, strategist um june coloroso Love the wins, value every achievement, and keep giving yourself a pat on the back. Be aware of milestone triggers. Self-doubt can rain hard on you when you bag a promotion, close a deal, or complete a huge project. So keep a keen eye out and anticipate your reactions. Create a supportive community, fill it with people you respect who will appreciate your experience and not judge you for it. I like that. So yeah. But it is the support groups are definitely, definitely key. Um, I think it's dope because I think sometimes, like I've heard stories of people getting a position they didn't think they were getting, or they didn't feel like they're qualified for, and they do get it, and like they're freaking out, like how the hell did they hire me, or like, <laughs> and I can see where sometimes I've seen it at jobs I've worked where a person might have just lucked up on a position. Or, you know, nepotism, like somebody knew them and hooked them up and they weren't really ready for the position, so to speak, but they had to kind of just take advantage of the opportunity and present themselves as they're ready for it. So what's the saying? Fake it till you make it kind of thing? Yeah, and like, I agree with that. And, you know, you'll grow, quickly grow into those shoes. If, if, but at the same time, you got there for, for a reason, for a purpose never doubt yourself like that's the, the the best way i could see it is like particularly in the military you can make rank rather quickly and inherit a lot of responsibilities the whole purpose of having a chain of command is if something someone goes down you immediately step up and i think that's something that uh, a really great skill that we inherited is that ability oh okay you, you, someone needs to step up like here may not <laughs> I don't want to say not have all the qualifications you mm -hmm. but at the same time we, we learn fast we adapt and we overcome you so, know that's another mission cool. um, so I thought that was interesting to share from the career side of things for you for those out there careering during COVID you know it's been an interesting environment we're still going into that even in 2021 so we're going to talk about are the GOP traitors or loyalists? Um, yeah, that's a that's a very great question. 
And it kind of bleeds into your other uh, segment where you're talking about is democracy dying. But um, this is CBS News, right? GOP senators say they will reject results unless commission is formed. So I guess what's going on right now, interesting time in politics, is that the Republicans want to form a commission to investigate election fraud. And I'm so glad that we started to upgrade America to better explain the political process. Most people think that you vote on, you know, on election day and you pick the president, but it's really not that simple. The Electoral College picks the president. And then on January 6th, the, how you say, the Congress reads the results and the Senate, they, they approve it. Now, we're in an interesting situation where the Senate is like, nah, we're going to say we don't approve it. And um, just by having one senator that says no, they don't want to do it, it can kind of, how do they say? Filibuster, like obstruct? Yeah, it can obstruct the political process. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, the possibility exists for a, a deviation of what the people selected and, and what's going to occur. And for many people who don't know, the vice president is the leader of the Senate. That's Mike Pence. That's, that's Trump's right-hand man. So he can also say, yeah, we're not going to uh, certify these results. So with, with that, how do you say, elaborate preamble, <laughs> let, me, let me read a paragraph off of here. So okay. several senators led by Senator Ted Cruz say they will reject the Electoral College results unless a commission is appointed to conduct a 10-day audit of the results. And they're re referring to, how do you say, the election results. Congress is set to count the Electoral College votes on January 6th. We intend to vote on January 6th to reject the electors from the disputed states as not regularly given and lawfully certified, the statutory requisite. Unless and until that emergency 10-day audit is complete, the group said the statement on Saturday. So Cruz's group is working with separate from the Republican Senator Josh Holloway. So it's, I don't want to say it's like a rogue group of Republicans, but at the same time, it only takes one. It really only takes one to kind of obstruct the process. So, yeah. What are your thoughts, man? I think we have enough information to know, like, Joe Biden won. Like, basically get over it. Like, let's, let's get this thing rolling. Let's go ahead and get them in there so they can hit the ground running with whatever agenda they're going to push. And y'all continue to govern to your constituents and basically shut up and color, like at this point. I, I hear you. I hear you. I got pushed back as a devil's advocate. Okay, go ahead. Because remember, the rules of the game have been written. And for the most part, we, we, we try to stay, we try to follow the rules. Okay. But if the rules permit this scenario to occur, then it, it, the game has to be played. You can't just say like, no, nah, the people who divide is this is the rules. The rules say this. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there there are those who said like Julius Caesar took power legally. The rules there is a, a way to do that. But I don't want to say this is segue into is our democracy democracy broken? If the rules 
permit this type of uh where you can say no you're you're not even though the people voted for you the electoral college voted for joe biden like we're still shutting it down is it working i, I watched this uh clip from the economist that's where i got the idea from very mm -hmm. good uh youtube channel to check out their clips are usually about 15 to 20 minutes really good stuff but they brought this up they were talking about globally because well during covid especially how democracy is failing globally hmm. like over like i think they said 80 countries like and, give me a give me a few of them um pretty much us <laughs> we're on there um i think it's pretty much the whole africa especially too um uganda they kind of put a light on uganda because of what mm -hmm. they're going through like their president basically did something like putin has done where he's trying to make it where he's like a lifetime lifetime appointment kind of situation but if his if, if he does it legally like if the laws permit it mm -hmm. bad well he changed the constitution too so <laughs> if he changed the constant did he do it like with men with guns and like yo we're changing this thing or did he do it change the constitution legal probably a little bit of both he found i i could see i don't it doesn't seem like he's a dictator but he has been in power for like 35 years so he to me huh i'll call him a dictator yeah so, I, I, I don't consider that power sharing 35 years of power that's not power sharing yeah so I think it was probably <laughs> the worst part of that. Um, and shout out to our upgraders in Uganda who actually do listen to the podcast. Ironically. Um, but yeah, it, it goes back to what we were saying. Like, because our democracy is not a true democracy, we always talk about this. We're a democratic what, republic. Yes. We're actually a republic. We practice forms of democracy but we're not a true democracy we're from the true democracy our democratic score is like high 70s low 80s out of 100 yeah so as we've seen the trends it's more of the if anything i could say about last year is more about the people getting stuff done it's been the people on the ground like activists community organizers like to me it seems like they've been getting stuff done putting the pressure on politicians to have to do something because politicians are losing face with their constituents they're not getting reelected. like i really think it's the people that held down 2020 in america to be honest now i do agree with you particularly because the amount of activism that was present black lives matter and there's black lives matter really led the led the charge for for a lot of activism in 2020 but we're talking about failed democracies i really wanted to throw in real quick there is an alarming rate of bankrupt nations like mm -hmm. one thing we talked about states going bankrupt and who could buy up them up and you know but there are entire countries and guess who's on that list united states Mm. Among, uh, among others but you know guess who's not on that list China. China no I'm not throwing no conspiracy theories out there but um, it's, it's just something it, that's alarming to me but yeah it's, the I mean, if they would... oh no go ahead 
Nah, if they would implement our policies, we would be good. <laughs> so You're talking about the Chinese? No, I'm saying if they would implement our policies, your policies. Oh, as far as upgrade American policies. Facts. Man, it, it really could and I I really hope the people in power do watch our, our lovely program. We know we, we see our metrics, particularly in Washington. Yeah. But there is another way to war, to save the people. You know? And same time we're gonna keep broadcasting until they shut the internet down pretty much um what else we got here so would you say the gop are traitors or loyalists um i don't want to say okay in, in regards to this whole power grab thing i don't want to say anything until It's so hard to talk about the election because it's like, yeah, do I believe the Democrats cheated? Heck yeah. Do I believe the Republicans cheated? Duh. Like, <laughs> you, ain't if you ain't cheating if you ain't, you ain't, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying is, is what they, they said in the military. They're like, <laughs> Republic, if they're loyalists or traitors, you know, it's like, Everyone's doing what they can do to retain or gain power. And um, I would say I'm leaning to this that they are challenging the they are challenging the, the results. Mm -hmm. Kind of leaning towards the loyalists because again, voted for myself right in. But when you're seeing the amount of those mail-in ballots and mm -hmm. that they were exclusively for Joe Biden, it raises some, it raises some hair, some spider senses tingle. When mm -hmm. you hear about people trying to damage the, the voting data, different states trying to damage the voting data, it, it raises some red flags. And if they have nothing to hide, make the committee. It's 10 days. And I think there's uh, there's more than enough time than 10 days to, to permit mm -hmm. that to occur before the uh, inauguration. Like I said, I think I just had political fatigue at this point, I'll be honest. Um, but like I told you again with the Republicans where they messed up at is they didn't push mail-in balloting either. So like I said, I, I'm all for showing up to the polls, socially distancing, whatever, what have you. But I told you when I got my mail-in ballot, it was Democratic. I'm non-party affiliated. Yes. I'm like Republicans should have sent me one too if they if it, that was so important. So I just my, my pushback and my logic for the Republicans. And if okay. you know the Republican states, the red states, they're like, yo, open up the world. We ain't scared of no COVID mask. What, what, what mask? So the notion of pushing mail-in ballots opposed to going towards the actual place to vote mm -hmm. is like i get that and at the same time while i feel in-person voting is until we have online voting is better than mail-in voting that still gets fed into some machine you know the paper ballot still gets fed into mis some machine and there's always there's a margin of error for for fuckery there mm -hmm. so um it, it, it's difficult, man. It, it really is. 
I would say this is how I'm gonna put the question I pose. GOP are traitors to probably the American people, but loyalists to their party. Hmm. That's how I look at it. But then, wow, that's an interesting perspective to take. But I, I they that. talk out of both sides of their mouth. Like I pay attention to them too, and like, like I'm not saying Democrats don't, because trust me, they do too. They just do it a different way. But it's like, so this. Is. Okay. You say loyalists to the party. <laughs> if committees formed. There's, they find a error of fraud. Mm-hmm. What happens? Is there another election, or does it go to second place? Excuse me. I don't know. That would be interesting to see. I mean, I will say this has been a very historic election for multiple reasons. Um, the one thing I can say is I do like seeing the challenge of the system to make yeah, sure it's working properly. But I do feel like a lot of this is like filibustering, like posturing, theatrics, stuff like that. Like it's not genuine. It's like, well, we're we're salty that we lost, blah, blah, blah. But the results are pretty damn close with the popular vote. So it was just the electoral vote that was different. But here's the thing. Again, for the first time in history, they had the most the biggest amount of mail in ballots. The headlines were pouring in about all the uh, misconduct that mm-hmm. was going on with these ballots. I didn't trust them myself. Yeah, I was a little nervous mailing mine, and I'm not even going to lie. And the only thing that gave me a little bit of comfort was that they had the technology to track. But did every state do that? I don't know if every state did. I know Florida did, surprisingly. Yeah. And we get so much crap for being horrible with voting, but they got something right, at least in my county. I can even probably speculate that's probably that's probably not in every county in Florida that does yeah. that on top of that internally. So uh, my cousin says, yes, both parties are definitely crooked. <laughs> yeah, like it's like. You already know, man. Yeah. But like, let's 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 stay with these here. Is there okay. if you had to cheat, do you think it would be easier to cheat through with the mail in ballots or you think it would be easier to cheat with? Oh, let me access the voting machine and then let me take all the data and then change the data. And like, I'm not saying it can't be done, but mm-hmm. I think it would be easier to do it with the ballots, with the mail-in ballots, particularly yeah. in counties that don't have the technology to, to have the how do you say accountability. Yes, that's the key. What you just said, counties that don't have the resources to be um, proactive and vigilant about the whole process. I don't know. We'll see, man. I, like I said, I'm kind of waiting, uh, waiting for this to blow over and letting know, letting Joe Biden and Kamala know we we're on y'all too. Like the whole and the whole administration, we're on top oh, of y'all. Y'all have some warhawks that y'all put on that council. A lot of loyalists to Obama and Joe from the previous time they were in office. So it's not. I see a lot of what I don't like is I see a lot of um, like PR appointments, like like people who just look good for the camera. Yeah, in the sense of like we got women here, yeah, here all this, but like what are their policies, and 
are they going to be accountable to their position without worrying about just having to be strictly loyal to? Are they going to challenge Joe and Kamala in those positions? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the problem I'm having looking at the appointees of the cabinet and stuff like that. And it's not as young as it should be. And that's another problem we... Hmm. That's another problem. Booty Judge on there? Did he get a position? Did Buddha Judge get a position? I don't know if he did or not. I think they were kind of throwing it around that they wanted to put yeah, him. Yeah, I heard something about that too, but I didn't get any confirmation. That would be cool. That's a start. Like like you said, man, it's time to let us take the reins at this point. Like it's Particularly that time. Particularly as we're getting more technological. Mm-hmm. And, um, like... You're hearing all, that's all we're hearing about, you know, with the vaccines, how technology was used to to ramp this up, to speed it up. Like, mm-hmm. our generation is very much in tune with that. And we can foresee, I mean, like I said, I wrote a book that kind of outlined and provided solutions for threats before they even occurred. So, like, we're in tune with this, like. Absolutely. And then the generation <laughs> below us is even more in tune. They come out the womb with technology. You already know. So chips implanted into them, all that good stuff. <laughs> so speaking of Congress, you brought up an interesting article about them being able to carry their own weapons, right? Yeah. So um with that one, it was interesting because it's like And we've talked about this too. They were um my understanding is like the legislation is they don't want Congress to to carry guns. Like people are, are against it, and it's like I, I before we go into this, I, I do want to share this incident. Uh, McConnell and Nancy Pelosi's personal private homes were vandalized after the stimulus bill was uh, rejected. Mm. So say this to say that being a lawmaker, particularly in these times of peril. You know, it's it's a dangerous occupation, mm-hmm. and um, I am for yeah. it. However, I, again, I love referencing, um, you know, ancient Rome, where they murdered, where the Senate like took snuck daggers into the, you know, to the Senate hearing. They murdered Julius Caesar in cold mm-hmm. blood, but um, that raises an interesting point too hey we're voting on this legislation we're locked in here and we all have guns oh you guys didn't bring guns well no one's leaving here until this thing is signed Mm, that's a good point i just want to say that before i say read this so it says dozens of house members oppose democratic bid to ban lawmakers from carrying guns at the capitol so let me read that again so it's saying house members oppose the democratic bill to ban so saying the democrats don't democratic bid to ban lawmakers from carrying guns at the capitol so they're trying to ban it so i guess house members are like no we want to be able to bring our guns mm-hmm. so it says dozens of people elected to the house wrote uh, to a leadership asking them to reject an effort by democrats to ban lawmakers from carrying guns on capitol hill Republican-elect Lauren Boebert of Colorado leads a letter signed by 82 fellow members and representatives-elect that was sent to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy on Friday. I refuse to give up my Second Amendment rights, Boebert said. 
I'm five foot tall, a hundred pound mom with four children and will be walking to work and serving in one of the most dangerous cities in the United States. I choose to defend my family, my life with all the force the Constitution provides. I will not let a bunch of gun grabbing house Democrats take any away my constitutional rights to protect myself. Yo, I support you, Lauren. I like your style. And um, again, what would be the check against uh, the scenario outlined before? Must everyone have guns? Does you have guns? Must everyone have guns? Or can I bring my goons? Can they? Can my goons have guns if I'm a congressman and I don't want to carry one myself? And what what are we limited to? Like, because some of my guys they got uh, they got class three licenses. Like, can they bring in fully audis? Can I bring my Uzi, my submachine, yeah. all that good stuff? Like, where are we limited to with these Second Amendment rights in the Capitol for lawmakers and congressmen? Because where we're at right now, I just want to rant a little bit more. Where we're at right now, we're so politically charged. Where you're talking about people who want to take the nation, people who want to reject electoral college votes, and we we got them locked in the room with guns. Like, I'm just saying, how how's that gonna work? I don't know. Like, and we we've been playing around with this idea. Like, if we were elected, would we be holding? You know, we were talked about that. You know, without doubt. Look out, my presidential 1911 is going to look so buttery, man. Like, <laughs> so handles. Presidential yeah. deal on, on the pistol grip. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do agree with they should have the right to, um, but it definitely should be everybody. I don't know. It's just a, kind of a strange thing, I guess, in a way. But at the same time, you have that right. And I know most government buildings you can't be armed in. So would that in turn be a ripple effect across the nation with that? So let me ask this, is, that, is it like you can bring it, um, do they have like some sort of armory there where they come, they can, on the street, they have their weapons, but they check the weapons in before they go to the meeting? Or is it like, nah, I stay strapped up in, a, up in the hearings or how, how does that work? I don't know. I think that would be a good idea to have an armory. Um, I don't know how that would play out because there's so many members of the House of Representatives and all that. Was it like 435? It's quite a bit. Yeah, so they would have to have small armories, maybe biometric to them kind of thing. Ooh, like a personal one. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm not opposed to the notion of... Because I'll give you a scenario like, yeah, if I were... I would be strapped because I would assume someone stuck one in there. Like just history repeats itself. I'm assuming someone has, so I'm gonna have one. And then mm -hmm. you know, all my my goons and bodyguards would be, uh, you know, armed to the tit. But I, know, I, I guess it's something that's not spoken about a lot. But considering what happened to the governor of Michigan earlier mm -hmm. this last year, well, last year, not earlier, but last year. Let's not even do further. Countless assassination attempts on, uh, you know, on lawmakers, and now. Now more than ever, when rights are being revoked, when people aren't getting paid, and um, it's dangerous to, to, it's dangerous to be president, let alone a Congress person, you know? Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. It's a very interesting conversation. Um, I think if they're going to do it, definitely all of them have to be on board, though. I think they definitely would, Democrats and Republicans. I would agree because we're still in a democracy. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it's just been one of those uh 2020 was one of those years and i you know who could who knows what 2021 will bring and again i'm for the notion it's again like you said it has to be everyone is on board but um i i stand with with the congress lady like mm-hmm. the woman congresswoman you know is because it, it is your second amendment right and it's a dangerous mm-hmm. it's really a dangerous job so i hope that gets resolved and they meet they find consensus yeah i think the armory thing is a great idea i think that would help balance it out i think that would make the democrats feel a little safer about it um as far as the capitol building um but why not i think and another thing i think if everybody's armed it's just more of a mutual respect it's not so much the fear mongering or shaming of somebody that wants to you know utilize their second amendment rights i, I think a lot of that gets taken away from like do you... oh no good nah i'm just saying like i'm not sure about most democrats but it doesn't sound like like do they go to the shooting range do they have weapons at home besides security that they're assigned with you know like did they even try to go to a gun range to get the feel of what it's like to have an education on gun safety and like practices and stuff like that i feel like a lot of them don't they just automatically like we don't need guns kind of thing i'm going with the whole notion and they are a, a reflection of the extremes like how do you say republicans want small government the extreme is no government so in mm-hmm. that type of scenario yeah you gotta be about your your firearms and protect yourself family and, and property whereas on the other end of the spectrum democrats they live in a lot of cities and they also want big government so opposite end of that is totalitarian you know and um they government is your protection government is your bodyguard you mm-hmm. know and you don't need guns in that type of society but we know that one government can't protect everyone and also government has the potential to become tyrannical and that's why we need guns and the government's is selective on who they protect let's bring that shit up too yeah, that's what we <laughs> really uh, highlight that in bold i agree i, I totally mm-hmm. agree on that um well i don't know we'll see how that plays out but another article from linkedin one of our favorite topics of how to upgrade America. Can shuttered stores become houses? Mm. Who this? The pandemic sent shockwaves through the retail industry, resulting in record-breaking store closures and a fresh wave of bankruptcies. What do we do with all the vacant retail space? One option, turn empty stores into housing. For years, urban planners have advocated for a more seamless blending of where people work, shop, and sleep. Retail to housing conversions could be a step in that direction. And some cities have already begun. In Hoven in the Netherlands, the city council has begun to offer subsidies to encourage its citizens to live above retailers or convert shops into housing. I think that's a great idea and I'm glad we're already seeing results. But um, I mentioned I'm, I'm in the real estate market. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, just looking for houses, different states. And what I'm finding fascinating that's popping up is like churches, in addition to schools, you know, are on are being sold as real estate. Like I've seen quite a few churches, nine thousand square feet, 
and they've mm-hmm. been con- they've been converted into residential living space and nice. that was fascinating and and again it's like it's something like tupac shakur said like a long time ago he's like yo you got all these big buildings you know but you got all these people living on the street mm-hmm. but seeing that these buildings are not being occupied being converted into residential space it is beautiful and that the prices are low it's like come on all ye philanthropists talking about oh change the world make it a better place i'm seeing nine thousand square feet maybe in like let's say florida or arkansas or something like that mm-hmm. going for like a hundred k like a, let's call it a hundred ninety seven thousand dollars all these mm-hmm. big balling uh you balling billionaires and and whatnot go ahead buy that building and a couple more like that and homelessness in your town if you're balling and you're a billionaire and all that god bless you i'm on my way to getting becoming a billionaire myself but if you got people in your town in your city in your state and they're living on the street like shame on you you can end that like wave a magic wand and write it off on your taxes so like shame on you but at the same time opportunity presents itself storefronts real estate is being converted into residential and clean it up simple as that upgrade america you know it uh, i'm with you 100 percent um and it comes down to local and state governments too to go ahead and take advantage of these unique opportunities even in their benefit as well yeah. like then you don't have to spend as much taxpayer money if you're offering incentives to private and philanthropists uh tongue twisted too you know um, or investors and billionaires and such you know so i think it all can work hand in hand and i swear singapore has one of the best um seamless efforts of private and government working together even though i heard they're like basically the us of asia how ruthless they are business wise but yeah. still like i they just are one of example. the cleanest uh, most beautiful asian countries like in asia if anything like i would really like to see uh singapore and hong kong you know yeah, i would definitely like when the, the world opens up singapore. yeah definitely um so electric cars on the rise how do you feel about that and would you get an electric car oh yeah without doubt so here's the thing like i'm all well i suppose we have to address this okay everyone thinks like you get an electric car you're like yeah look at me i got an electric car like i'm being all cool for the environment and stuff but you have to take into consideration where are you getting the juice the power at because if they're burning coal or, or what have you to generate that power for you to fill up your electric car, then you're just as uh, you're just as much part of the problem. Um, I like the idea of it because all we have to do is, like you said, when we get onto the clean green energy, we just have to change the source of power, and mm-hmm. we, we have vehicles that can get around without polluting the environment. Again, I emphasize to all you uh, electric car enthusiasts, like if you're, you're driving your electric car, but your source of power to charge it is mm-hmm. coming from some sort of some dirty source of energy, you are they're They're burning that for, for you to charge up your car. So it's not an end all solution to mm-hmm. repairing the environment. But I love the notion. One more thing. I would get the cyber truck, but I would gut it because it's so ugly i just want the engine i just want the power unit and then i would build it up something a bit more 
uh, aesthetically pleasing. But how yeah. what are your thoughts on it? The Hummers look nice as far as they're going electric this year. Um, really? I'm not to Google that right now. I didn't know they had an electric Hummer. Yeah, I think they dropped this year. Um, hey, Monique, my cousin came back. I guess her Wi-Fi messed up. But what I was going to say was, you touched on something interesting. I think to even speed up the process would be to start converting gas vehicles into electric vehicles. I don't know how that process would go and offer incentives and rebates for that. Um, totally, uh, I totally agree with that. Like as far as, uh, you know, the conversion. But again, it's uh, something we address in the Upgrade America Policy for the Future book available on Amazon Kindle. Or just drop a line in the comments if you want to get it for free. I'll email it to you. But anyways, it's like there's maybe over $72 trillion of gasoline, you know, that's just, just lying about. So again, that's way too much money to walk away with. And they expect lawmakers and, you know, <laughs> OPEC and everyone to think they're just like, okay, everyone has electric cars. Forget about all this money that's sitting in the desert, all this money that's sitting in uh, Alaska, in Texas, what have you. So it is totally possible, without doubt, if we gave incentives to Toyota, Elon Musk said he's even generous about sharing that technology, some of those patents and licenses. Like, mm -hmm. it's totally possible, but the biggest thing is that trillion-dollar elephant and how you're going to walk away from all that. Is there any alternative use you could do with gasoline? I, I look at it as more of a contingency thing at this point. Like, eventually, that's what it would be, contingency purposes only. So it's like, you're. this is, I'm making an analogy here because it's $72 trillion, and it's like, a 72 trillion gold plated diamond studded bunker that we're just gonna have on standby in case you know we we run out of sun and we can't charge our cars with solar panels <laughs> you know what i mean like it's too much money to lay out and like like we brought this theme up over the course of our program is that a lot of it is what they call political will and want mm -hmm. to and playing obsolescence with all these industries like things are designed to break down so you have to go back out and buy it instead of stuff that'll last forever so it's, you, it's like you you would cripple uh you i get it because it's like for them to keep making money people you'd have to have more people you know if things just lasted forever but for gas though i, I want to propose to this it's mm -hmm. like some sort of closed loop, pressurized, where gas can burn, combust, turn an engine or something like that. But the exhaust is would be fed not into the ozone, but into some sort of filtration and, and collect. I don't know, because that would be dope. Like you, again, you can't just walk away from all this oil. But at the same time, if we continue on this cycle, it's going to have adverse effects on our, our ecosystem. So yeah. the only thing I can think of is like build some sort of clean generator. I, I do real quick. I do remember watching this uh, car racing show on Netflix where this guy built the electric car. It was really cool. And that car was fast and it was really dope. I and it was it. like something old. I forgot. It was like an older car. Like, Hold on. Is it a... Uh, 
What type of battery did he use? He is like. Was it a forklift battery? Second. Because I saw a guy took an old car and he put a forklift battery into it. Oh. Okay. It, it made it. This was before the Tesla's premiered. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, not a forklift battery, but I like that idea too because they're pretty good batteries, actually. Seeing but as it, I work, it was, it was fast. But even the Teslas, because you know, with your traditional engine, um, gasoline engine, it has to go through all those gears and and, and pistons, all that. Electric, yeah. you don't have to do that off the rip. You're like, yo, you want to do sixty from the start? Do you? I mean, it has a game momentum and stuff, but it's a lot faster acceleration. Yeah. And then I guess the other economy you got to think of, the auto industry, auto repair industry. You go mm-hmm. electric, you kind of put them out of business with gas engines and whatnot. Um, he, I'm sure there's countless electronic components that'll keep people busy, but it's going to the, how do you say, the required labor would shift. Before where you have like greasy gears and pistons, now you need guys who know how to solder and repair screens and fuses and, and LCDs and things of that nature. But I wow. did want to point out one thing. Mm-hmm. You're riding around on a giant lithium battery, essentially. Last I checked when Android dropped the ball, them things were exploding on planes. Yeah. So, like, is that a risk with electric cars? Mm. Like, I don't know. Question. Because you gotta think, boom, 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 hitting on highways, you know, driving in Brooklyn, and like all those potholes, and then you pierce that. Th- I don't know how these things work. It's just, I'm just speculating. But yeah. cars yeah. are cool, definitely have a future. And then extreme temperatures and conditions, because, you know, the US is not a monolith as far as climate. So, very versatile. Yeah. Um, so, this song, I don't know if you'd be able to hear it if I play it. But this song has been so catchy and I've been laughing. It's about the stimulus check. Okay. And it, it's an older gentleman. Probably somebody could be like our uncle or father or something's age group. So somebody put on a beat. The beat is really catchy. And like he just started singing, like, I need my stimulus check. And so we've been singing this every day because it's so funny, but he sounded really good. So I just thought it was just one of those things that's been making me laugh. Um, the last what three or four days now something like that you got it on the um that's the video on the on the page yeah yeah click on it i want you to hear it because i'm I'm curious what your reaction is because i was actually we were actually singing it last night probably really off key under the influence Flex track offers blue teams platform to aggregate well, I hope they listening to that song. So we've been playing this already. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, boys. Very inspirational. But yeah. I mean, if my understanding is like they sent the stimulus checks out already, like people are going to start receiving them as early as what? Let's call it January 15th. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. 
But I, hold on, there's a, it's the six hundred dollar one. Okay. Six hundred dollar one. But again, um, they may come to some consensus with that two thousand dollar one, and it's like. I don't know. When we, we first kicked this thing off, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked a question for uh, for Americans. Would you want to have $1,200 single payment? Or would you want to have guaranteed food and provisions for you know the next 18 months? I posted that on Facebook and they laughed at me in the political groups. Like, ha ha ha, this thing will be done overnight. Like, and you know, why would we want food and stuff like that, you know? Because they thought, they, I'm like, yo, this thing's going to be long term. But it, again, here we are. Is this the I, Is this the right way to go forward? Considering uh, we got these mutated viruses that may or may be impervious to, to the vaccine. I don't know, man. Well, not only that, it goes to the theory of like we were talking about universal basic assets and also it goes off the campaign that andrew yang was running with the universal basic income so it's kind of both of those things at war with each other that we've been actually kind of practicing we wanted to do that every month yeah that's tough um, and it's trillions of it's trillions a month like i said i think it's more reasonable more feasible to provide people with food and toilet paper and you know and basic things of that nature than continuous payments because yo if this 22 stacks okay cool and i'll take it i'll buy more bitcoin but like if this thing continues to go on as a country as a nation as a global economy is it sustainable no i don't see it being sustainable i think you have to have the long-term plan of creating more jobs and mm-hmm. avenues to create income for the American citizens. Because I would say overall, the American citizen does want to work. Mm-hmm. Now, COVID has presented something that they want more purposeful work. You know, like that's something that COVID has exposed is like, yo, like, what, do you mean just, by, what do you mean by that? Well, you want to kind of work and do something you really want to do. I'm not saying yes, I agree. you don't have that luxury, but COVID has exposed the opportunity or a time to reflect like, but I don't just want to do anything. And then on top of that, between automation and robots and all this, you got to weave together. And that's the one thing I liked about Andrew Yang. He was the only one really thinking forward, thinking like that. Like, hey, technology's about to take all these jobs. We need to marry the two in the meantime before it's too late. And this is one of those situations where it's a unique opportunity to go ahead and pounce on this. And it's like, yeah. I, I, I totally agree on that. And uh, would you, would you, what position would you give Yang on the on the cabinet? Were we in power? Because again, you you pointed out with Yang too, and I like some of his ideologies. Where we disagreed on was universal basic income. Mm-hmm. Like, and I totally see the threats, the emerging threats of, as you mentioned, artificial intelligence, automation. But that's another thing that COVID exposed is that companies can do a lot more with less. Yes. And, um, if anything, it, it hastened the need for uh, for robots and, and, and more automated software. But um, I guess we would put them in charge of what the Department of Labor. 
or the chief officer of technology i was getting ready to, i would like to pick his brain on how technical he is like if he just has a rudimentary understanding of, of artificial intelligence or he knows that the true uh how do you say uh the, the dangers and potential threats mm -hmm. you know but of labor i could see because he did have a plan in place for for, for people but um at the same time universal we witness on the reluctancy of uh you know of our government to pass two for one time two thousand dollar payment let alone uh repetitive uh not too sure but i um i, I would i wouldn't mind having him around like i said we're on the same uh seem to be on the same wave in regards to you know it tech what have you Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he definitely has an entrepreneur's uh, vantage point, and he's very in touch with technology. I would say, I if I had to guess on like where he stands based on his campaign, and when I did listen to him in interviews and whatnot, um, we gotta try to reach out to him. I think that would be a great interview, just to kind of pick his brain. Now, like, was he offered any positions on on Biden's cabinet? I don't think so. And I think he'd have been a great candidate for a position because he's one of the bright spots for the Democrats, in my opinion, between him and Tulsi, even though Tulsi kind of went off the, <laughs> I guess, the rails a little bit. But I liked how her response to the uh, initial stimulus package. And but I, I do agree like Yang and Tulsi, they're, they're I don't know, some for me, some of the best picks from the, the Democratic. And I would say Booker would have been great for um, maybe education. I could see him being good at that for some reason. Okay. He'd have been great for like education secretary. Is he on the cabinet. I thought I saw his name. I don't recall. Who? Booker. I don't know either. Um, I have to go back and look at all the appointees. I think the last appointee Biden's leaving is Attorney General, is the last Are one he decided. Again, I'm gonna have to look into what Booker's doing. I thought I've seen signs for him, for uh, for him as far as senator mm -hmm. you know, when I was in Jersey, but I, I really don't know. Um, you got anything else? I really, I think that's it. Yeah, I got uh for my my closing remarks. I suppose I, I'll, I'll make it a confession. Okay. Well, oh, you need one moment to pull this up. Lost my Skype. Okay, my computer's bugging out. Can you still see me? Yeah, I see you. I hear you too. Uh, I'll touch on this real quick. Uh, I just, when I was uh, watching the economic uh, economist, they were talking about how Chinese, the Chinese are basically booming in their Hollywood, their movies, their stuff mm -hmm. like that, and kind of becoming less uh depending on american hollywood so i thought that was an interest interesting story and it, it was cool um but i guess the one expert said where they fail at is because of how authoritarian they are with their culture on how they do business and stuff like that on top of that the requirements to get movies into china from america is very strict but vague yeah. and it messes up I guess the profits on our side and then also the decrease of us going to the movies because of COVID, but they have more movie goers in China. They still go to the movies a lot compared to us. 
So that's kind of where they're winning in their Hollywood, so to speak, their film industries and all that stuff like that. Not for nothing, they got like 2.1 billion people within there that all speak Chinese and would love to see their films. But I agree. But even here, they're having a bit of influence in our Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of studios, production companies that are Chinese. If you pay attention to when movies are coming on, I've been seeing that a lot popping up. Chinese movie studios are very heavily involved in Hollywood. Well, you already know Hollywood is very heavily involved in uh, propaganda and uh, things of that nature because they got direct access to your subconscious mind and they can feed all that in. But now, um, just wanted to rant real quick on... Um, yep, you ever hear how they say like when people get together, they have good chemistry? Mm-hmm. And that's because we are biochemical beings, like mm-hmm. carbon-based life forms made of what is it? Uh, dihydrogen monoxide, water, and oxygen. You know, a little iron, copper, all that stuff is in us. But uh, yeah, it's like 102 minerals in our body, something like that. Who could say? But I know there's a. Uh, we can. We have the ability to digest gold. You know, like there's mad different elements and minerals and within the human body. And I say that to say this, I am toxic as a biochemical being. Yeah, I'm toxic. I am a human and I am, I'm flawed and fallible. Like I have my things where I mess up, but here's the thing, I am toxic, but so are you and everyone else who's listening. And the thing is we are all toxic beings, but again, Mm -hmm. when you have the right chemistry, you know, people can, they can mix and at the same time just as far as getting along with others we all need to realize we are all toxic we all have our traits that are unfavorable no one is jesus christ and walking on water we all have our toxic traits and we need to learn how to identify those if we can try to master them become better than our our fallible traits rise above them and learn to mix with others because at the end of the day we're all 70 plus percent water and water mixes and water flows so again i confess i i know i fall short of perfection and i'm doing my best every day to, to become better and you know to be less toxic but um to all our upgraders out there you know like be nice to each other try not to be so toxic you know and try to mix try to, to be cohesive you know bond with that that water that we we all share you know the flow but that's what i got man what's on your heart today cj uh i just want to end on a positive note why i love dogs so much is this story i found on instagram from global positive news follow that on instagram it's pretty cool little uh page three-year-old girl that went missing was found just one day later, thanks to a loyal family dog who stayed with her the whole time. And this was in Queensland, Australia. Oh, wow. Um, they were searching for her, whatever. By nighttime, there was still no trace of her, but they did finally find her thanks to this dog that was 17 years old, partially deaf and blind. Oh, wow. Stayed with the girl overnight and stayed with her until she was found. He actually... I think barked and got the search party's attention like hey i got something over here kind of thing so shout out to that puppy holding it down 
Well, he ain't a puppy 17 years. But... Well, I call all dogs puppies. It's he's, just like, like... he's like 40, like 40 or something. Yeah, yeah. He's up there in dog years. But I, th- I think it was really dope. And that's why I mess with dogs. That's why they're my favorite. And that's why I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, getting some acreage and stuff so I can get some dogs, you know, like, what is your favorite type of dog? I recently fell in love with pit bulls and my second favorite is Springer Spaniels. I like them right. too. I um I had a pit bull. Mm-hmm. My ex-wife sold him when I was in Iraq because mm-hmm. uh, he is a big dog. It's hard to, to keep up and not for nothing. Like me personally, Mm-hmm. I always thought it was unfair to have a dog in a small house. It's like if you don't have a yard or something like that. So I never wanted to do that until I had the right conditions for it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I absolutely adore huskies. And so like I would love to uh, look for like an old black husky. And, but at the same time, I'll take a black and white too. But I love those dogs. But at the same time, if I did go down south, not too sure how he or she would, would hold up in that type of environment but yeah. um, pits are cool I like, I like pits um they're really a buddy of mine shout out to bob yeah he, he has two uh, big uh pit bulls and it's like i used to run with them in brooklyn in prospect park and you think you're a runner you ain't a runner till you run with like a i don't know maybe a 70 pound pit but this thing was very massive just pulling me like yeah dogs are dogs are really cool they, uh, yeah. they, i understand why they call a man's best friend but uh i got nothing man i'm just ready for this new year um no no resolutions or not huh so ready or not yeah no resolutions or anything i think i'm kind of past that phase just improve each year i mean yeah. it's actually something you're supposed to be doing anyway so um just more laser focus on a couple of goals. You and I have discussed this. So that's really it. I'm really just laser focused on those couple of goals and going from there. Once those get accomplished this year, which they will, um, sky's the limit. So You already know. And it's like, for me, same thing. No hard uh, resolutions or anything like that because you shouldn't wait until New Year's. You can change your life right now. You don't have to wait. And it's like, um, again, just continuous improvement, following your goals, chasing your dreams. Yo, if you're listening to our show, you're blessed. You know what I mean? Like, you got, not only do you have time, which is the most valuable commodity, you got eyes and ears and all that, and you're breathing. So, 2021, man, this is it. We're going to own this one and the next one coming. Like... Thanks for everyone who watching, supporting, liking, sharing, subscribe, smash that 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 like button, give some comments, something you want to talk about, or even if you want to come on the show, let us know. Upgrade America. Catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.